Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, New Zealand film Bellbird is chock full of insightful rural wisdom. Cows can't milk themselves. Oh, can't they? I thought they just walked in, but they tipped into the cups, got them sucked and walked out again. Pain and Glory reflects Pedro Almodovar's ambivalence towards fame. Estoy con Salvador Mayo. And is the week's best movie a film at all? From Netflix, The King. A king has no friends. Only followers. And foe. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. This year saw an old dispute take new and unexpected directions. For years, critics and producers have been arguing over the defining question, what's a real movie? And generally, the answer seemed pretty straightforward. Real movies were shown at cinemas, at least to start with. The rest were TV movies, and they showed on your home screens. Cinema movies therefore qualified for awards and A-list festivals. The others were unworthy. Well, the streaming service Netflix has put paid to that model. This year, the film Roma was not only nominated for several Oscars, it actually won three, despite being a Netflix production. And there's more to come, notably the next Martin Scorsese film, The Irishman. This is a project that the studios rejected for being too long, too expensive and too risky. Hi, my friend. I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm going to put him on the phone and let you talk to him, OK? Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. When Netflix decided these objections were outweighed by the fact that it was likely to be Scorsese's best film in years, it made the Hollywood powers that be look even more timid and conservative than they already did. To add insult to injury, Scorsese claimed that the films currently being bankrolled weren't even cinema at all. They're just theme parks, sneered the director. The force will be with you. Always. And despite the younger generation of filmmakers rallying to the defence of Star Wars, Marvel Comics and the rest, you suspect in their heart of hearts they wonder if Marty's got a point. Who's making original stories with exciting talent in front of and behind the cameras? Is it the old guard studios or newcomer Netflix? Well, ask anyone waiting with bated breath for the next series of The Crown. We're ready for you, Your Majesty. Three, two... One. This 
Mrs. Jubilee Day. This is a day as gruelling as the Queen's coronation 25 years ago. At least this week saw some new material hit the cinema screens. There's not a sequel or a remake among them, even if most of them do tend to be looking back a bit. It's a bit where you murder me. So what is it that you do? I sing. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, boring, boring, boring. I'm not bored. You are so strange. Last Christmas is clearly based on a 30-year-old holiday hit by George Michael and Wham. I had decidedly mixed feelings when I dragged myself off to this one. My interest in both Wham and George Michael's solo is lukewarm at best. Look, OK, it's not my fault. I bet nothing's ever your fault, is it, darling? And the other model for the film was obviously the Christmas movie to end all Christmas movies, Love Actually, which, like half the known world, I hated with a passion. Curiously, the other half adored Love Actually, many claiming it to be the greatest film ever made. Last Christmas gave you my... Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, uh, sorry. No, 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 it was shit. So, lots of minuses, in other words. The pluses were limited to the cast, the likeable Amelia Clark and Emma Thompson, who also wrote the script. Mum? No call, no Twitter. Yeah, OK, I you know, I know. Phone. Oh, you can phone! You can ring me! I worry about you! Emilia plays a slightly desperate party girl called Kate, self-centred, annoying and holding down a job at the world's tackiest Christmas shop run by the scary Michelle Yeoh from Crazy Rich Asians. Hey, Elf! This is my little helper. I have nicknamed her Lazy the Elf because she appears never to work. Father, Daddy, Christmas get me out of here. Something needs to happen, and here he is, Henry Golding, another alumni from Crazy Rich Asians, reprising his role as the too-good-to-be-true Prince Charming. He and Kate Bond looking up at a bird outside the Christmas shop. What? Jesus. Where'd you come from? Well, what are you looking at? Probably a falcon. Oh, damn it. I think you just pooed in your eye. Yeah, I think so. It's good luck, you know. What is? Getting pooed on, my bird. I'm busy, you're weird. Goodbye. Where could this plot possibly be going? I'm sure you're not asking yourself. But in fact, you'd be underestimating Emma Thompson's script a little, even as you enjoy the whimsical Fred and Ginger banter that shores it up. Whoa! You! Again. What do you mean again? Did you follow me here? Are elves always so cynical? Yes, relentlessly. These are dark times. I'm Tom. Kate? The story is a clever riff on the lyrics of George Michael's song and there are unexpected pleasures to be had in this undemanding film, mostly from Emma Thompson playing Kate's Croatian mother. So, uh, tell me about the sleep. She never sleeps. Exercise? Not at all. Alcohol? Oh, Oh, she's drinking like the pirate. Okay, fine. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much for your time. Let's go, Mum. The film often shies away from the laboured and obvious which may have hurt last Christmas a little at the box office. It's as much a film about Kate becoming a human being as it is about girl getting boy. And despite all the George Michael songs, I found it easy to like. I even forgave the mandatory cameo of Andrew Ridgely at the end. You're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. You're made of everything you do. No, we're leaving!
Following on the heels of Taika Waititi's firecracker of a movie, Jojo Rabbit, comes the less frenetic Kiwi film, Bellbird, and it shares most of its time between a rural scrapyard and a family farm. Just a warning, if you're going to Bellbird, try and avoid the trailer. I'm not saying it gives absolutely everything away. I am saying you can pretty much fill in the holes of anything the trailer misses out. Cut last trail. I moved all the cows up into the top paddock, away from the house. I couldn't stand him crying out for a feed when I had nothing to give him. Bellbird opens on the farm, run by husband and wife Ross and Beth. She is chatty and cheerful. He's monosyllabic, but he loves her dearly. They have a son called Bruce, who's even more silent than his dad, and works as an odd job man at the junk shop next to the tip. There he is, the host with the most. Four. This must have been difficult if you like giving me stick. But one day, Beth dies, and father and son have to fill the gigantic hole left in their lives by her passing. Bruce is encouraged by his boss, Connie, played by Rachel House, who's not only the best thing in this film, but the best thing in just about every movie she's ever been in, since these include Whale Rider, Boy, White Lies, and the Disney film Moana. This is no minor claim. How's your dad? He's okay. You two must have some scintillating conversations. Mum used to do the talking for both of us. Well, get practising then. Bruce and Ross are played by two more well-known faces, Cohen Holloway and Marshall Napier. And there are moments when you fear that Bellbird may slip into the gloom of the dreaded cinema of unease. Fortunately, writer-director Hamish Bennett is smarter than that. He wants me to learn all about this for calving season. Cows can't milk themselves. Oh, can't they? I thought they just walked in, put their tits into the cups, got them sucked and walked out again. The strength of Bellbird is its dry, rural sense of humour. As Ross and Bruce attempt to make up for the lack of Beth, who was clearly the business brains of the outfit as well as the light and shade, there's sterling work on the outskirts from Rachel House and Stephen Tamarapa as the vet. Here's the funny thing. You've got a problem in your vagina, Bruce. You'll find the answer in the rectum. <laughs> yeah. Wise words, I'm sure. Interestingly, Bellbird is the first New Zealand film, I gather, to go out with subtitles in Te Reo, reflecting the fact that just about all the supporting roles are played by Maori actors. That's what a lot of people just don't appreciate. They form friendships which last their entire lives. Unbreakable bonds. We need to bloody listen. How can I look when this guy's got his arm up the cow's ass? Well, here's the funny thing about most New Zealand films with a strong Maori presence. They tend to be lighter on their feet than their all Pākehā cousins. Less brooding, more jokes often. And that's certainly the case with Bellbird. I know you miss Mum. I miss her every day too. If we miss her together, it feels as... A little bit easier than doing it by ourselves.
OK, it won't rival M. Night Shyamalan for plot twists and unexpected endings. It's a sweet, gentle film, graced by some pretty good performances and one really good one. Give Rachel House her own Netflix cop show, is my suggestion. If there were such a thing as a Scottish Maori Olivia Coleman, Rachel's it. I don't think I can be a farmer all my life. Looks like a mean job. In a year when films are products of all-too-obvious formulae, our hopes rest on the works of veteran directors we admire. Ken Loach, Mike Lee, Scorsese, Spielberg. Generally, the critics are so grateful they're still around, they tend to shower them with end-of-career laurel wreaths. Ten cuidado conmigo, eh? Estoy con Salvador Mayo. The latest film by Spain's most famous and loved filmmaker, Pedro Almodóvar, is not only about this phenomenon, but it also benefits a bit from it. It's called Pain and Glory, the current feelings of veteran director Salvador, played by Almodóvar's longtime star and muse, Antonio Banderas. Alberto, te doy los derechos para interpretar la edición. Es un texto confesional. No quiero que nadie me identifique. Salvador is clearly modelled on the director himself. The name is a near anagram, though the differences are as marked as the similarities. Like Almodovar, Salvador is prey to various ailments, including galloping hypochondria, you suspect. Unlike him, he's hamstrung by writer's block. One day he's invited to a revival of his most famous film, along with its star Alberto. El fin de semana lo pasamos entero en la cama. Y cuando quise darme cuenta había pasado un año y ya no podíamos vivir el uno sin el otro. Estábamos en 1981. The problem is that Salvador and Alberto split acrimoniously after that shoot and haven't spoken for 32 years. They meet and decide to patch things up for the sake of the reputation of the film. To seal the deal, Alberto introduces Salvador to the pleasures of heroin. This is a Pedro Almodovar film, after all. Han decidido que es un clásico. Y la han programado para un ciclo de, de cine rodado en Madrid. Y no saben que no nos hablamos desde el rodaje. Bueno, si lo saben, no me han dicho nada. But compared to some of the excesses and delights of previous Almodovar films, Pain and Glory is a rather more muted experience, though still rich with his trademark sensuous colours and vivid design. The heroine acts as a sort of Proustian Madeleine, inviting memories of Salvador's lost past. Los pececillos jaboneros. Qué bonito. Mira qué bonito son. That's another regular figure in an Almodovar film. Penelope Cruz playing Salvador's mother as an earthy peasant, singing and washing by the river. Later, the director would use his mother and her friends as source material for his movies, a practice they often resented as disrespectful. No has sido un buen hijo, hijo mío. No. No. 
childhood, first desire, memories of early film shoots and the hedonistic life of Madrid in the 1980s with his first true love, Federico. Pain and Glory is the sort of film that a director tends to make when he grows older, looking back on the past obsessively, wondering if repeating the events will somehow change their meaning. Si tú ves algo raro, me llamas. Aquí todo es raro. ¿Nos conocemos? Sí. Me gustaría ser un hombre para bañarme en el río desnuda. ¿Y qué es? ¿Drama o comedia? Pues no sé. Eso, eso no se sabe. A tu vera, siempre a la verita tuya. The critics have been generally ecstatic about Pain and Glory, though I found it difficult to join them wholeheartedly. I enjoyed the film, certainly, but I missed the mad inventiveness of some of Almodovar's early films. Mamá, hay dos cromos. Ay, deja los cromos ahora, hijo, vamos a comer. Lee Taylor y Robert Taylor, ¿tú crees que son hermanos? Por supongo. Maybe it was simply a personal reaction. So often, one man's towering masterpiece is another's. It was all right, I suppose. The best things for me were Penelope Cruz as a washerwoman and Salvador's colourful kitchen. These don't sound like the reactions to the best film of the year. Buen viaje. Muchas gracias por venir, de verdad. I don't know about best film of the year, but the best film this week probably barely counts as a film at all in some circles, appearing as it did on my pokey little computer screen rather than a decent-sized cinema one. It's called The King. All hail King Henry! The King never got a cinema release and had to settle for playing on Netflix, despite being bold, unexpected and that rare thing, an attempt to improve on Shakespeare. The King is essentially the bard's Henry V, post-Game of Thrones. A new chapter of my life has begun. As prince, I spent my days drinking, clowning. Now I find myself the King. I don't mean the king has been sexed up with added dragons, but it does reflect the TV show's dark psychology and cynicism. This is unusual because Henry V was a famously gung-ho play about heroism, featuring the man believed by many, including Shakespeare himself, to be one of the greatest monarchs England ever had. Surrender to me. King of England. Are you scared? The King comes from the Australian pair who made a similarly Shakespearean drama about a Melbourne crime family, Animal Kingdom. Writer-director David Michaud and star Joel Edgerton. Edgerton co-wrote this script and plays the role of Falstaff, both extremely well. A king has no friends. Only followers. That fall. 
The film opens on Henry's father, the sleazy Henry IV, at war with just about everyone, assuming that fighting each other will keep them from fighting him. His son, Henry, may lead his army, but he's never going to inherit the crown. So Prince Hal spends his days off drinking with his rowdy friends, including Falstaff. Already I can feel the weight of this crown I wear. But from the start, there are differences from Shakespeare's original. This Prince Hal is more serious and less anxious for his father's approval. And Falstaff's no longer a malingering coward. He's a hard-bitten ex-soldier who knows too much about war to willingly repeat the experience. I need men around me I can trust. You are my friend. I will come with you. But events overtake them both. The old king dies, and so does his heir, Hal's brother. So Hal inherits not just the throne, but also several wars against the Scots in the north and, most dangerously, the French in the south. Now you will be watched over by an altogether different king. France is taunting us. They were my father's enemies, not mine. The new King Henry attempts to avoid war, but his advisers, notably William, played by the always sinister Sean Harris, are insistent, and so are the people. The masses, delighting in taking umbrage at Johnny Foreigner, can't fail to invite parallels with today's Brexiteers. Are you ready for what awaits us? War is bloody and soulless. This is hope, this is forge. Henry discovers, like so many before and after him, that a king is often led by the people he thought he was ruling. Star Timothée Chalamet is a little skinny and young, you'd think, to play a muscular warrior king. But he's a perfect fit opposite Kiwi actress Thomason McKenzie, a near look-alike as his sister. Choose your steps wisely, dear brother. They have their own kingdoms behind their eyes. The casting is good B-list overall. Director David Michaud works his budget very well, saving his powder for the spectacularly muddy battle scenes at Agincourt. Playing the contemptuous Dauphin, whose initial insults and death threats started the war in the first place, is Robert Pattinson. The screams of your men... So lull me to sleep at night. You will not topple this King Henry V of England you so underestimate. <laughs> the usually rather introverted Pattinson clearly relishes the chance to chew the scenery for a change with an outrageous French accent. But this isn't the final insult to Henry, Shakespeare and Laurence Olivier and Kenneth Branagh, who made two previous Henry V's. Do you feel a sense of achievement? In what regard? In any regard. I have achieved that which my father never could. I have united this kingdom in common cause. Hmm. 
Lily Rose Depp, Johnny's talented daughter, plays the French princess who's given to the English king as the price of peace. She already knows that the king has been a pawn in the hands of unscrupulous forces on both sides. Why should you question my intent? Your father's rule is illegitimate. He has no right claim to his throne. All monarchy is illegitimate. You yourself are the son of a usurper. The intelligence and ambition of the king is one thing, but it's the confidence with which the film's written, directed and acted that makes it stand out from the competition this week. If what defines a real movie is quality and scope rather than merely where it's shown, then there's no question this one passes with flying colours. And having hoisted that flag, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.